The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning. This is the 3CR Spoken Word Program. My name is Di Cousins and today I'm talking to some of the people from the new show Gender Euphoria, which is on for one night only at the Arts Centre in Melbourne. And I'd like to welcome to the studio Mama Alto. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to meet you, Mama. Um, so tell me about Gender Euphoria. When When is it going to be on? Gender Euphoria, it's, um, it's a brand new show and it's going to be on firstly for one night only, January 24th uh, in the Fairfax studio at Art Centre Melbourne as part of Midsummer Festival. Amazing. And um, now I've heard of gender dysphoria, but I'm, uh, this is a new thing. What's gender euphoria? Well, exactly. So um, this show is all about the transgender and gender diverse lived experience and about our communities and about our lives. And so much of what we see in mainstream media and performance and entertainment about trans lives focuses on gender dysphoria, which of course is a medical term. It's a pathologized term, sometimes a legal or criminalized term. And dysphoria focuses on the trauma and the struggle and the stigma and the difficulty of the transgender experience. But uh, so much of our lives, it's true to acknowledge that there's a lot of difficulty in our lives as trans and gender diverse people, but there's also a lot of joy and beauty and power and resilience, community and love, and things that are euphoric, things that aren't dysphoric, you know, and to use such a powerful word that echoes and repeats back and speaks back to the idea of dysphoria in that idea of euphoria is something very appealing. I think it's it's a wonderful um, counteraction to the pathologizing of what is a natural state, which yes, is the yes. diversity of, of the human condition, mm. and um, and you know, pathologizing everyone as as dysphoric is um, it it's constructs a, a negative reality. It does, and it cuts us off from our own sense of joy and purpose and love and spirit. And I actually, I think it's very interesting because I often reflect on, um, for example, and it's still ongoing, the feminist battle uh, to cast off the word hysteria oh, yes. and the way in which patriarchal systems have foisted hysteria and irrationality upon feminine people and in that same way that hysteria is used to disempower uh, women and feminine people, dysphoria is used to uh, to disempower and denigrate trans people and gender diverse people. Yeah. To make us seem less than capable or less than human mm. in the face of the self-appointed normal that is the white male heterosexual <laughs> Yes, and isn't that dull? <laughs> yes, yes. 
Now, tell me about your show. You're one of the co-creators. Oh, yes, Um, yes. So what was your role in creating the show? Well, I met the amazing Maud Davey, who is a burlesque and cabaret performance art icon. She had her amazing solo work, My Life in the Nude. She had her legendary club performances all throughout the 90s. She's been part of Finnegan and Smith Company and the Burlesque Hour and the Glory Box for many years. Uh, as well as touring Retrofuturismus with her twin Annie Davy around the country for five years, a circus work. Such a CV. So she's she's quite incredible yeah. and she's done television mm. and theatre and all kinds of things like that. Mm. And uh, I met her through my work at Finnecane and Smith as a performing member of the Glory Box. And what was your and, role uh, in the Glory Box? I was, well, you know, the Glory Box and the Finnecane and Smith Company, which is such an amazing powerhouse of a production company they create amazing alternative visions of what the world can and should be led by strong feminine exquisite artists um, often with a layer of subversion going on and so in my kind of life and practice as a jazz singer working in cabaret forms that really appealed to Moira Finnecane when she met me and she said would I come on board and and the show which has now been touring in different iterations for 16 years. Uh, The show The Glory Box or The Burlesque Hour or sometimes Caravan Burlesque, Carnival of Mysteries, many different names. But essentially it's a rotating family of 40 or 50 amazing artists uh, who create amazing short-form variety work. And so I was, you know, singing in this show and providing through my presence and singing some sort of commentary about gender and about race uh, and about queerness uh, to add to this kind of amazing mosaic that Glory Box is. And I met Maud and we started talking about how we should collaborate together at some point on a work about gender because both her audiences and my audiences always respond to the gendered element of our work and critics and reviewers often very strongly and sometimes very negatively respond to our gendered identities and our gendered bodies. And so it's, it was the case of us really wanting to work together and thinking it would be something about gender. And then we had more and more conversations, sometimes work conversations and sometimes personal conversations just about our personal lives. There's been a huge increase in the last five or 10 years of uh, trans presence in the media. And it was in a big magazine uh, article, it might have been Time magazine, referred to the trans tipping point of suddenly we're present in entertainment and, and in the media, and, but very rarely telling our own stories and often portraying a constructed narrative that's neat and tidy for us to be slotted into and they tick that box and that's their level of social conscience done for that writing season of that television show or for that programming at that theatre company or or so on. And Maud said to me, you know, the only way this will change is if trans people such as yourself, Mama, and people who we know are empowered and given the opportunities and the support and the resources and funding and venues and festivals and, you know, all of that framework that is so necessary now to get traction in the arts and and are given that platform and that opportunity to tell your own stories in your own way. So we talked more and more over the years about that idea and I said, yes, but what's important to me is that it's not just another story of gender dysphoria. It should be the opposite. 
it should be, we both said at the same time, oh, gender euphoria. Yeah. That's the opposite of dysphoria. Yeah. So then we, um, we initially applied for Melbourne Fringe and Arts Centre Melbourne have an amazing partnership called Takeover where they give you platform and resources and funding to perform at the Fairfax Theatre during Melbourne Fringe. We didn't get that opportunity when we applied uh, and we thought, oh, it's just a blanket rejection. It must be not a very good concept for a new performance work. Then a, a producer from the Arts Centre, Dan Clark, called us and said, well, we decided not to give you uh, the takeover opportunity. And we thought, oh, okay, now we're going to hear a list of the reasons why we didn't make the cut, because that's normally what happens in the arts or in, or I suppose any career path when you're rejected from an opportunity or a job. Instead, he said, we have so much belief in this show and we think it's far bigger than that opportunity. So we're going to support you and give you some seed funding and you're going to create a new work and you have as long a timeline as you like to create this. So we assembled a a panel of writers and thinkers from the trans community. We did an intensive research and development phase for six months. Then we recruited all of these amazing trans and gender diverse performers who we know. And then Midsummer Festival got on board and talked to us about would we like to be a keynote Midsummer event. Creative Victoria pledged some funding. City of Melbourne pledged some funding. Uh, Auspicious Arts came on to manage our finances. Dance House came on as our rehearsal venue partner. And before we knew it, uh, it's almost just under a month uh, and we will be on stage at Arts Centre Melbourne with the largest ever trans and gender diverse cast in Australian history. Wow, isn't that huge? uh, And how big is that cast? um, There are 11 of us appearing on stage. Yeah. And uh, and then more than half of the the behind-the-scenes creatives are trans and gender diverse, including our graphic designers, our costume designers. Oh, lovely. uh, Our musical director. It's just, it's quite fabulous and it's quite out of the ordinary. Mm. It's quite out of the ordinary for for people from minoritised and marginalised communities to see themselves in the largest mainstream performing arts arenas of our country. Yeah. You know, it's it's very rare. It is. Um, and so it's quite exciting in a way because, and I often think of, you know, a lot of minoritised and marginalised groups use that beautiful phrase, nothing about us without us. Yeah. And for the past century, trans stories have been about us without us. And now here we are on a main stage getting a chance to tell our stories. Brilliant. Now, I'm really excited to know what's going to be in the show because um, you're working with cabaret and burlesque and you're a jazz singer and I understand there's some spoken word and um, we've now got Fury in the studio. Welcome, Fury. Thank you. Um, so what's in the show? So it's a it's a kind of classic variety vaudeville format, short-form variety, postmodern vaudeville cabaret where you, you receive one act after the other in rapid succession and they build to create some sort of arc, but it's not a narrative by any means. So it has a lot of, a lot in common or a lot derived from the kind of legacy or ancestry of old-time vaudeville variety, uh, things like the Tivoli or things like La Pigalle or that kind of world. But we've taken it into a postmodern space where it deals with ideas of identity um, and ideals of ideas of transgender identity, especially. 
So we have some amazing musicians attached to the project, people like Ned Dixon, who's on piano and our musical director, and also working with some experimental electronic and digital music, and singers such as myself and the amazing Mix Munro. Uh, we have an amazing circus artist and aerialist, Marla Bird, and they'll be doing some amazing aerial acts and acrobatics. Incredible. We have a host of amazing writers and storytellers, uh, including actor Harvey Zielinski, and he's just he's joined us an- immediately after being nominated uh, as a finalist in the Heath Ledger Scholarship, the first ever transgender finalist in the very prestigious American-Australian Heath Ledger Actors Scholarship. No, we're all done. We have Quinn Eads, uh, and they've just they've just published their work, Going Postal, which is a new anthology in response to the postal vote from different people in the queer community. We've got a dancer and poet, uh, Amal Liotalu, who is an amazing Fa'afafine Samoan trans woman. Uh, we have Nevo Zasin, and their debut memoir has uh, kind of gone viral in the last 12 months, Finding Nevo from uh, Walker Books. Uh, we have... And another amazing dancer, Bailey Rose, who's both a burlesque dancer and she's also a classically trained ballerina, which is quite fascinating because she's never had the opportunity as a trans woman to perform professionally as a ballerina until now. She had to turn to other forms of dance. And then, of course, another amazing spoken word poet, performance poet and writer who's part of the show, Fury, who's sitting here next to me. Great. And welcome, Fury. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. And uh, so tell me, what's your role in the program? Well, uh, I've had a few different roles. We, um, I wrote a poem for uh, the Midsummer launch, which was great, and Amal uh, added dance to that, and there was music. It was just uh, a real extravaganza. Um, but for uh, for the work that I'm doing in the show, it's I, we've been calling it a rant, but it's not very ranty. It's just a, a sort of, I guess, a grandpa esque stream of consciousness. Um, yeah. Okay, we'll just go to a bit of music. Uh, this is from the last album from Jeffrey Gurumul Unipingu, and the album is called Jarimiri, Child of the Rainbow. And we'll hear a little bit of the track Jarimiri, Child of the Rainbow, in E flat major. So it's uh, Gurumul, the Yongu. Elko Island uh, musician recorded with uh, a classical orchestra, really something quite extraordinary. Oh, 
I'm talking to Mama Alto and Fury from the new show Gender Euphoria, which is going to be on at the Arts Centre on the 24th of January. Now, Fury, you're going to, uh, would you like to uh, do one of your spoken word pieces? Yeah, please? sure. Anne Hathaway in The Princess Diaries, she's, she's just this dowdy, awkward teen until someone comes along and breaks the news to her that she's royalty and she's destined to be queen. Now, I don't know about you, but that was exactly what it was like for me, realizing that I was trans. Kids' television in the 90s was particularly rife with transformation stories, transitional stories, trans stories, secret world of Alex Mack, Animorphs, uh, Sailor Moon, Pokemon, um, Dragon Ball Z, Power Rangers, all that stuff. I mean, Pinocchio is a character who literally wanders the continent telling people I'm a real boy. I mean, there are aspects of that that are rude, namely uh, his nose growing whenever he said it. But um, once you remember that it was written by a cis man, the transphobic messaging uh, can be easily discarded. Perhaps this is a little bit too close to the bone, but I think even the Velveteen Rabbit has the feel of a trans story. A toy rabbit is told that it'll only become real if it's loved enough. I mean, isn't that the lie that we're all told? That we aren't real until someone else loves us. But when I say every transitional narrative is a trans story, I mean every single one, including Extreme Makeover Home Edition, which, let's be honest, is just a thinly veiled metaphor for medical transition. I mean, you have a home which is run down or falling apart or just not working for the people who are living in it. So a community comes together and pitches in to renovate it for them. And then, of course, there's that great moment when they move the bus and the family sees the house for the first time, which is the only level of elation I've seen from cis people that even comes close to gender euphoria. I guess what I'm trying to say is we're the physical embodiment of growth, revelation and change. So if you scratch any narrative that relates to transition, ice, water, steam, the monstera leaf unfolding in your kitchen window, even Charles Darwin seeing for the first time the shape of evolution, how everything is interconnected, you'll find us. We're here. We've always been here. Beautiful. And um, a great feeling of gender euphoria in that uh, spoken word piece. Thank you, Fury. Um, yes, and I'm, I'm really excited that uh, you have captured your own narrative with the title of your show, um, Gender Euphoria. Um, how, how, how did you relate to being invited to be a part of a show called Gender Euphoria? Well, I'm kind of delighted by it. Um, I've been working on the, a, a book for the past year uh, called I Don't Understand How Emotions Work. And it's been really about my confusion about getting diagnosed because so much of the medical diagnosis, I've never had a huge amount of uh, gender dysphoria. And the trans community has, I guess, sort of been, hasn't had much choice to sort of self-define. And so, so much of the medical narratives have shaped how we see ourselves, which has meant that a lot of us feel like, well, am I trans? You know, I don't, I don't feel that much dysphoria. So can can I still be trans? And I think that this idea of gender euphoria is so beautiful because it's, um, 
it's like a positive thing as opposed to a negative thing. Um, you can just know that this is the right way to go, that this is a thing that will make you happy. You don't need to be sad in who you are now. Um, you can just feel love for this particular direction or this particular shape that you want to take or this identity that feels right to you. Great, yes. And has it been a lot of fun working with 10 other um, creatives in the show? So much fun. <laughs> um, the team is just really... It's so beautifully curated and there's so much love in the room. It's uh, And everybody's been remarking on it. It's been such a great um, uh, a great sort of collaborative process that, you, you know, it's it's almost, it feels almost spiritual going into that room and connecting with people in this way and around this topic. I've just, I've never felt, I've never felt it before for anything. Great. Um, is there another piece you'd like to share with us? I can do. I okay. could do the... Um, uh, I will need to find it, the Ugly okay. Duckling piece. This next piece that uh, Fury created, when we first started gathering people together during our research and development center, uh, uh, research and development phase at Arts Centre Melbourne, we were really intrigued. So many times people were talking about their lives and their lived experiences and their childhood memories. And what we kept coming back to was this idea that society, especially at the moment, has a great aversion to transgender lives and transgender stories and, you know, we're called gender whisperers and we're called frauds and we're called freaks and predators and all kinds of nonsense from those in power. But at the same time, society is really keen on pushing on children other transformation stories like The Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast or The Ugly Duckling and pushing those to children as examples of how you should aspire to be true to what's inside of you, even if it means difficult change that's unsettling and distressing and confusing at first, but ultimately that it leads to being your true self and feeling and knowing that you're beautiful and safe. And we were really interested in that idea, and that's where this next piece came from. Great. This piece is called uh, Ugly Duckling. Early spring is colder than winter. Bright, cloudless blue. The snow melts and gives the air a bite. It was unusually still that day. Even the willow trees weren't running their fingers over the water. No other ducks, so the pond was mirror-smooth. She eclipsed the sun when she flew over me. Unexpected, early. The air around me compressed as she beat her wings, landing gracefully on the water. You would think I would have had a flash of recognition then, when I saw her, something stirring deep in my guts. But Mother Duck brought me up on fairy tales. Swans were a curse. So all I saw was pain, ugliness, hidden, then pity. Who cursed you? She slid across the water, her feet dancing beneath her, stretching out her wings from a long migration. Other ducks had told me to stay away from swans, that their necks could break an arm clean in two. I was afraid, but there was something else. Awe at the power that was hidden under those feathers. Then suddenly the air was bright, white, flapping. She was joined by her flock. Eleven necks gliding around her. You would have thought I would have had a flash of recognition, understood then who I was, but I was suspended in time, 
watching them move together, one. I longed for their synchronicity. I longed for them. It was only until I stepped out onto that mirror lake and looked down. I saw my face crisp, clear, new. Then all I could think was, oh, fuck a duck. Very sweet. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So um, there's a poem by Fury um, from the the new show, Gender Euphoria at the Arts Centre. So Fury, tell me about um, your spoken word life. When did you start writing uh, performance pieces? Well, it's interesting because I started started writing poetry when I was quite young. And my mother, uh, ever the savvy, Uh, businesswoman she took me to a poetry event that was mostly 50 year old women talking about their vaginas and I was 14 at the time so deeply uncomfortable and she just leant over to me and she said we don't want to be a poet do we because she knew she knew that a poet's <laughs> life cruel. was hard well she she just wanted to protect me because it's not easy earning money from poetry and so I put it down for for years I put it down I sort of drifted away from it and I went to a spoken word night and I saw the people performing and competing and I was like oh I could do that and so I got up and I started performing and I started doing it and um, yeah, it just sort of snowballed from there and it, it, I, came, I came back to it much, much later on in life. But, right. Yeah. The aversion therapy didn't work. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you can't, you, can't, you can't stop a vocation, I guess. No. It no. finds its way back to you. And I think that happens with a lot of artists from many different disciplines. Uh, if your family or parents or teachers or whoever the guiding figures in your life are, caution you against pursuing anything artistic or creative because it's a difficult life, there's a certain point that you reach as you're growing up or or for some people even quite late in life they might make this realisation, life's hard Mm. anyway, life is tough anyway, late capitalism is tough anyway. Mm, it's really tough. So then you suddenly realise, if it, well, it's going to be hard and difficult slog all through life anyway. I might as well be creative and live a creative artistic life in whatever form that means, you know, even if people pursue it as a hobby or something only for themselves or whether they do it for others or, or as a vocation or as a career, you reach that point where you realise you might as well lead a creative life because mm. life's difficult anyway. Mm. So if it's difficult to live an artistic life but much more fulfilling, you might as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Great. Okay, well, thank you both for coming in. I've been speaking to Mama Alto and Fury from the new show Gender Euphoria, which is going to be on for one night only at the Arts Centre. So thank you both for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And this has been the Spoken Word Programme.